You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. I'm here. Tom's here. Aaron's here. The show's presented by Window Nation. If you're in the market for windows, call 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com and tell them, please, that we told you to call. If you missed Wizards coach Scott Brooks on the show yesterday, loved talking to him. I actually like him a lot. I don't know that he is... You don't know if he's a very good coach, though. Come on! I've had some issues with sort of some of what they do offensively over the years in Oklahoma City and here, but I really like him personally. Um, You can listen to all of the past episodes. Like, just because you missed it yesterday doesn't mean that you can't listen to it today after you finish listening to this podcast, because all you have to do is go into your iTunes account or... For most of you, just go to the KevinSheehanShow.com, hit past episodes, and you can listen to every past episode, including all the ones I've done with Tommy. You know, this is what I used to tell people when I was doing my podcast, Cigars and Curveballs. It's the beauty of the podcast is you can listen to it when you want, right. and you can listen to two, three, four, five episodes. A lot of people will listen to the podcast while they're driving a long-distance trip. If they've got to like drive to Philly or drive to New York, or something like that. I get a lot of people who say, I listened to three or four episodes while I was driving. I had somebody tweet me, I don't know, maybe a week ago, and said, I binged you and Tommy on a drive to Pennsylvania or something. Yeah, this is what and people do. And I said, do. don't ever do that again. That's, <laughs> that's really not a great idea. Uh, but yeah, it's it's consumed differently. And thank uh, thanks to all of you that are listening to the podcast and uh, urge those that... We're fans of any of the shows we were involved in together or apart or, in Tommy's case, is involved in now with Andy's on Saturday on 106.7 and with Chad on Wednesday afternoons um, on 106.7. Speaking of 106.7. Tell everybody just to go to thekevinsheehanshow.com and it's so easy to listen to it right there if they don't know how to do it any other way. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Speaking of 106.7, the fan, I was listening on the way in this morning to the Junkies and I, I, I heard your boy on. Uh, uh, Cooley told me he was going on. I didn't listen to it. Yeah. And? Well, he was on because I guess it's Burgundy Week, and uh, I, I guess he's like the new mascot for the Redskins, and he's going around town <laughs> wait, wait, handing wait. out merchandise. What are you talking you about? Know, he he, he I told think, me he had to do something that he, I don't think he was thrilled about doing, but that's beside the point. Well, I don't, I don't got, want to speak out of school. He's got to hand out is, merchandise. Like, in other words, like, what do you mean? Like at Walmart? Like well, a greeter? I think he's at Gallery Place as we speak. Giving out Redskins, uh, par- you know, memorabilia or whatever. I don't know what you would call trinkets to anyone who's dressed in burgundy and gold. And I heard about this. This is why. Look at my color shirt. You wore burgundy. I wore today. burgundy. Yeah. I'm hoping. I'm hoping I see him and he gives me. <laughs> no, something. you're not. You're something not. particular. I'm, I'm hoping he gives me. Um. Okay. <laughs> And the press release right here, Chris Cooley will be will also be searching for fans wearing burgundy and gold throughout D.C., Maryland, and Virginia this week to reward Redskins fans with autographed items and other prizes. Okay, so your problem with that is what? They're... No, I have no problem with Let it. Let me just I say. Think, I think it's cute. <laughs> hey, you're so <laughs> condescending. Here's the thing. And you, okay, put put your um, your relationship with my more recent partner to the side for a moment. You, um... You've said that this is an organization that's dysfunctional, that's arrogant, <clears throat> that knows <clears throat> no way of being humble or being consumer-focused, 
And now you've got a guy in the organization who is starting to try to push some of these things. Look, I agree. They're, they, okay, they, so they are, they are doing great marketing. Uh, you know, these days. They're in the ticket-selling business yes, for, they are. for the first time that we know of. I mean, they've been in it for a while, but yeah. they're actually admitting to being into the ticket-selling business. Yes. It's just a, kind of a, a little bit of a fall for the virus, you know? Okay, stop. Uh, <laughs> you, see, you, see, you see, I'm the old no, girlfriend. Listen, because, I'm the old girlfriend sitting here, buddy. I, I, All right? I, what I do know. you expect? I'm in the middle of this thing, but the thing is, is as you know, I've always wanted and believed <laughs> that you both should be and would be the fastest of friends if you spent more time together. Maybe we should do a, th- a threesome. Uh, the, no, I'm not going to be involved in that. Um, today on the show, Wizard Season Picks. NFL Power Poll, Scott Van Pelt, uh, a lot on the Skins Cowboys, including your calls on the Skins Cowboys, which we'll get to. And we can't tell you to call in right now because you haven't listened to the show yet because <laughs> we're recording it. Um, and we're also going to have a word or several um, on our friend Rich Tandler, who suddenly passed away uh, two days ago um, at the young age of 63 years old. Rich was a hell of a guy, and a lot of you that follow sports in the market know Rich, so we'll say a few words about him a little bit later on in the show as well. Um, right when this show ends, I can tell you what is on my to-do list. Seven Eleven for Mega Millions and yes. Powerball. Yes. Is this the most combined dollar amount? It has to be. Mega it's, Millions. It's like almost $900 million. Mega it? Millions is $900 yeah. million. Powerball is $430 is it, million. Is it really? So that, uh, by my math, is $1.33 billion. $1.33 billion. If you win this, you could potentially buy, I don't know, a third of the Redskins. <laughs> You could. Uh, you want to start with the controversy in Houston last night? Yes, that would be a good place to start, even though most of the country only woke up to it because, I mean. Well, I mean, that was early in the game. Yeah, but it's still, it's a, it's, it's, it's the second game. I want to talk about the first game, too. We'll get to that. But for those that missed it, in the bottom of the first inning, um, Altuve hits a deep shot to right field, all right, towards the right field wall. Runners on first. It's a 2-0 Boston lead in, in the bottom of the first. Mookie Betts gets to the wall, leaps, extends his arm high over the wall, and the ball bounces back onto the field of play. Replays show, I think, clearly show that Betts' left arm stretches somewhere around the wall. We'll get to that in a moment. But as he tries to make the catch, his glove is hit by a fan. It closes the glove, and therefore what what looked like a pretty good chance to make the catch, I believe, this is a very you know subjective thing, I thought he was on the verge of making the catch. The fan's uh, hand uh, hits his glove, closes his glove, the ball comes back into the field of play. So... The umpires rule that Altuve was out via fan interference. A.J. Hinch, the Astros manager, comes out, argues with the crew chief and the right field umpire Joe West, who made the initial call, and then they go to replay. The the review results in the call standing is called fan interference. All right, ruling... Uh, That ruling nullified what would have been potentially a game-tying two-run homer. If you don't know this, uh, Houston lost by two last night, 8-6 to in Game 4. They're now down three games to one in the series. Now, here is the important part. MLB Rule 3.16. 
When there is a specta- when there is spectator interference with any thrown or batted ball, the ball shall be dead at the moment of interference, and the umpire shall impose such penalties as, in his opinion, will nullify the act of interference. But the rule further states that, quote, no interference shall be allowed when a fielder reaches over a fence, railing, rope, or into the stands to catch a ball. He does so at his own risk. However, should a spectator spectator reach out onto the playing field or on the other side of the wall, the playing field side of the fence, railing or rope, and plainly prevent the fielder from catching the ball, then the batsman should be called out for the spectator's interference. So the question is, to me, not whether or not the fan interfered with his ability to catch the ball, but whether or not his attempt to catch the ball was in the field of play or over the fence. And I thought that was really difficult to figure out. Where was Joe West in 1996? <laughs> exactly. When the Orioles Jeffrey played the Mayer. Yankees. And Jeffrey Mayer, who clearly reached over the wall, no doubt. put his glove out and clearly interfered You know, when he caught the ball, interfered with Tony Tarasco's at least opportunity to catch it. A clear fan interference. Last night, to me, I'd say 85% that Mookie Betts' glove was in the, was over the wall in the stands and it was not interference and it was a bad call and the Astros got robbed. And just like the Orioles got robbed against the Yankees, which changed the whole direction of that ALCS against the Yankees. You think his glove was, it's 85% that it was not in the crowd. No, I think it was. No, I, th- I think it wasn't interference. I think he reached over to catch the ball, and I think where he was trying to catch the ball was fair game for anybody, including a fan. So I don't know that it was 85%. I, I looked at every single replay last night and this morning. I think it's probably more than 50%. There's the one shot where there's the one fan whose hands are on the wall, and it, it appears as if Betts' glove is beyond those hands. That would be sort of definitive proof, but I thought it was, I thought it was a tough, definitive conclusion as, as to where that glove actually was. But I, if you told me I had to wager my life on it, I would side with you. Meaning, ultimately, it shouldn't have been fan interference, and it should have been a two-run home run. Or in that particular case, I think it would have been called a ground rule double because the ball came back out into the field, right? But it hit, did it, it hit one of the fans though? It, it did. I, I, at least from the angle, there there were two. The, angles. One of the fans said it hit his hand. Right. Yeah. It, it looked like it hit Betts' glove. It hits a fan, and then it bounces back, which would be a home run. Joe West after the game, did the ball cross over the wall when Betts jumped for it? West said no. Obviously, he said no. Right. Because that, that that was the call. That and, was his call. And the review, the replay stood. It wasn't confirmed. It wasn't because they said it wasn't conclusive. It, I didn't think it was conclusive. I thought it was conclusive. It doesn't have to be. I mean, it's like a court, a, a, a court of law beyond a reasonable doubt. To me, it doesn't have to be 100%. Well, it, it does per per the rule. All these all these replay rules are the call on the field stands unless the unless replay shows a conclusive result. That, well, what's that, conclusive mean to you? Conclusive means what would you conclude from watching that video? From I think watching it, the video, and I would conclude. I think that, it has to be definitive. I don't think there can be any sort. I I don't think there can be debate around it to to flip the call on the field. I disagree. And I think there's I think there was legitimate there's debate. De- there's debate on almost every call, Kevin. Not everyone. So you're gonna, never going to get anything overturned if there's no no room for a little they bit of They could have had better camera angles. 
to determine that. Look, I thought the Astros got robbed, I, but I think Boston was going to win the series anyway. Uh, I picked the Red Sox to win. Uh, David Price is starting uh, the next game for them. I mean, because Chris Sale's in the hospital. Yeah. Uh, or not. I don't know if he's in the hospital, but he's got some stomach problems that, that they don't think will clear up. How about up. Jackie Bradley Jr.? Yeah. I mean, this guy is so <laughs> clutch in this series. And then how about the last catch? Uh, oh, by Ben Intendi. Yeah. That, that, that he doesn't catch that ball, that ball goes to the wall. Oh, it, Houston wins. Yes. It's probably a walk-off triple. The bases are loaded for Bregman when he yes. came up. I, I was up. I, I I did not stay up till 2.30 the night before, <laughs> but I did watch that game last night. I thought both games were great. And the, the best part, before we get to the – the the discussion about the second the first game last uh, yesterday afternoon and I love the the afternoon championship series games it just brings oh, me back to absolutely. you know absolutely because they all seem to be played on weekdays in the afternoon you know I can remember in my English class at East Stroudsburg High School. 1951. Uh, ni- 1969 okay. when the Mets were in the World Series. Right. Our teacher, you know, shutting down class for the day, putting on the TV. Was that your first sixth grade or second sixth grade year? <laughs> <laughs> and watching the Mets. Uh, you were, Beat the you, Orioles. You were barely even in class at that point. You were selling listen, Ballantyne off of listen, a truck. I, I, I was an academic whiz when I was a kid. <laughs> Things went south after that. The um, First of all, let me just say this. Clayton Kershaw... They kept describing it this way, and if you watched it from the beginning, it was very sort of appropriate. It was a grinding great performance because he was in trouble multiple times early and was able to get out of it, go seven complete, three hits, one earned run. He was coming back for the eighth because he batted in the the seventh and scored in the seventh. He walked and ended up scoring, but they put two more, I think, on the board in the seventh, had a 5-1 lead, so they came in with with relief pitching uh, in the eighth, and they, they, they won it. But I knew that – I think Aaron – did Aaron, you text Tommy this? I think you texted both Tommy and I that Tommy would have a I put, real – I put it up on Twitter. Yeah, would have a major problem with Wade Miley being the so-called starting pitcher – for game five, and he faces lefty Bellinger to open up the game and then gets pulled. The whole plan all along was to have lefty face lefty and have Wade Miley start game six, and then Woodruff came in after that. What did you think of that? Well, I think the plan is to force you know Dave Roberts to put in a lineup that he'd have to turn around and change. Uh, and I understand that. It's a gimmick. It's a gimmick. He's a, Craig Council's a clown. And it's a gimmick. <laughs> so, what would you, what else would you expect from a clown? You know, I generally have the same feeling about the analytics people that you do, and I'm going to get to that when it comes to some wizards discussion. Um, you know, the, I, I just I always laugh at the you know these people that that we know and people we don't know, but do who do what we do that probably didn't take a math class beyond ninth grade or 10th grade and they talk about things like regression to the mean and (laughs) all this other stuff as if it really applies in sports um but i will say this that stuff applies much more to baseball than it does any other sport because i get that because so much more in baseball is measurable and measured and you don't have to know in football uh, that outside zone play, you don't have to know what all 11 players or all 22 on the field, what their responsibilities were. Because a lot of times these analytics guy, oh, he's terrible on that play. 
And then if you were in the coach's room, the coach would say, good job, Joe. But, you did exactly but, what but, we asked you to but do. Kevin, that's but, what I always say is the difference between information and knowledge. Right. That's the difference. And people, Definitely. People mistake knowledge for information all the time. You don't. There's a lot of people that don't have knowledge of those meetings, of those conversations. They don't have knowledge of the game itself. Yes. They just they just. But they have information. Numbers. Yeah. So, but my, I guess what I was getting to is, I thought it was a pretty good strategy. Like you, 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 this guy, you get him to you force you force Dave Roberts's hand on on the lineup. You get a lefty lefty matchup, and this guy can still pitch game six. Your guy can still pitch game six. Look, he, did, he didn't have many options against Clayton Kershaw. You know, it's not like he had... They had a chance to put up more runs early on Kershaw, and they didn't. Yeah, but they, they didn't, and that's a mark of a... That was, that was what would always amaze me about Andy Pettit with the Yankees. Andy Pettit, you could have him on the ropes early. And he got out of and it. And if you didn't get to him early, then you were done. And that's the way Kershaw pitched yesterday. But the, the Brewers had no answer for Kershaw. They, they couldn't put another guy on the mound to right. match up against Clayton Kershaw. So, you know, this was their gimmick. And, you know, it it, it didn't anger me. I just thought it was a gimmick. I mean, That's I think all. it's a strategy more I, than a gimmick. And their did. strategy, you know, and I have not followed the Brewers here, but this strategy they believe is largely responsible for their big end of the season run into the postseason. And Wade Miley was all for it. He had no problem with going out there. He walked the first batter. Right. You know, he walked Bellinger to open up the game. Um, but they did get out of that inning unscathed. They did. Uh, all right, let's talk about the Wizards, who open up their 2018-2019 season tonight against the Miami Heat at home. Actually, before that, Tommy, a couple things real quickly, because there's a lot of NBA on last night. The season started two nights ago with two games, and last night there were, I don't know, 10, 12 games, something like that. Um this happens every beginning of the NBA season where you see new players in new uniforms and it just doesn't look right. But DeMar DeRozan in a Spurs uniform, and he had 28 last night, just doesn't look right. I'm still shocked. I think it's the right move. I think they got a For top who? three player, Toronto. Okay. They got a top three player in Kawhi Leonard, which gives them a legitimate chance to get to the NBA Finals yes, this year. Yes, it does. And, and by the way, his game was 24 points, 13 rebounds, and he played 37 minutes last night in Toronto's opening win over Cleveland. It was just weird. I love DeRozan's game. It's so anti-advanced stats. You know, because it's a mid-range game, and it's floaters, and it's tough baseline 12-footers and 15-footers, and those only count two, even now. I just love DeRozan, but it looked weird watching him in a Spurs you know, uniform. You know, what's interesting is you, you talk about that, and you know I'm on with Chad every Wednesday from 4 to 6 right. on, on 106.7 FM, and we had Austin Rivers as, as a guest uh, yesterday, and he talked about how the coach... he's a good talker uh, as an interviewer. Yes, because I, I I talked to him when Duke played Maryland when he yeah, was up he, here. He, he he's like beyond his years. Yeah, he was very good. But he talked about how the coach drills it into them either a layup or a three pointer, no mid range shots. Drills it into them that you know the mid range shot. It's it it's like you, you'll get banned for life. Yeah. Well, I'll get to that in a moment. Okay, because there there's a problem. Your, your buddy <laughs> Scott Brooks. Yeah, well, I've talked to Scott about this stuff before, and he knows what a good three versus a bad three is. He knows why 
the Wizards didn't have or lead, you know, they weren't higher up statistically in three point attempts. One of the big reasons, hello, is that John Wall only played 41 games last year. So therefore, the guy that creates the most, draws the defense the most for kickouts, for open threes, which are the best threes to shoot for this particular group, the guy that really, you know, drives up tempo, you know, pace of play, he wasn't there for 41 right. games. Um, but so anyway, the Wizards, so I, I wanted to mention one other thing before we get to the Wizards. Keep an eye on Phoenix this year. I actually saw a little bit of this last night, and DeAndre Ayton, Tommy, who was the number one, number one overall at Arizona, man, I, Aaron, I don't know if you thought he was any good. I thought it was going to take years for him to become a really good player. I didn't get the the number one, number one overall for him. He looked great last night in his op- in that opener. And you know who plays for Phoenix? Trevor Ariza. Trevor Ariza. <laughs> Trevor guy. and Devin Booker can light it up with the best of them. That's going to be a much better team. I'll have to watch them. I don't know anything about Phoenix. Well, they were terrible last year. They, they won 20 games last year. I know 21 that. games. Yeah. Um, all right, so the Wizards open up tonight. I, I, I'm going to give you my thoughts, and I want yours. I'm not a fan of Dwight Howard. I um, just think that the odds are in favor of this not working out. However, I... Um, I'm a, I'm not a fan because he's clearly selfish more than selfless. That's the way he's been throughout his entire career. That does not, however, um, erase what he is on the floor during a during a basketball game when he's really engaged and and really into it because he is a defensive NBA force yes. in the league. And the truth of the matter is, from a basketball standpoint, not, not maybe not a locker room or, you know, the chemistry standpoint, but on the floor, his defensive abilities fits perfectly with this team. It's something this team has missed. This team plays best when it plays up-tempo, when it's able to get out on the break, where John Wall can finish at the rim and get from one baseline or from one top of the key to the rim as fast as anybody in the league and finish um, where he thrives, where on the break you get guys shooting quality threes on on fast break opportunities, where Beal and Porter and other guys that they've had you know over the years are are finding their spots as John's driving it from one end of the floor to the other and he's kicking it out and they're wide open threes. And what starts that is defense. You got to get a rebound or you really can't run. You know, a lot, the Lakers of the 80s were great at running after a made bucket, and I still think the Wizards should do it more than they have over the years. But really, the teams that are able to run best are the teams that get stops and rebounds. Because if the ball's going through the net, it's easier to get back on defense. And it takes a little bit longer to get the ball and get it in bounds and get it up court. He's going to provide block shots, uh turnovers that you don't even get to measure because somebody comes down the lane and then because Dwight's there he they turn and they make a forced pass in an area um your defense doesn't have to converge as much doesn't have to help as much when you get beat which John Wall gets beat on the perimeter a ton and so the net of it is for me it's a good potential basketball fit so i'm not discounting my guesses of the last four years, which is they have the talent and the ability to win 50 games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you should have seen the look he just gave me. 
Oh my God. He's been waiting for this look forever because this has been one of the, he hates Ernie Grunfeld and just can't stand this franchise. I think they can win 50 games and finish in the top three in the East oh and get to God. a conference semifinal where they have a chance to beat who, whoever it is they're playing, Toronto or Boston, to get to the conference finals. That is, that is a legitimate upside for them. I'm not saying they're going to achieve it because I don't believe and I think the odds are stacked in favor of the Dwight Howard thing not working out from a chemistry standpoint. That's I also am not convinced that Beal and Wall are going to be more mature players. That's a huge key that they play 80 to 82 games, that they've they they take it more seriously, and I'm talking about games against Phoenix at home or bad teams at home, every possession more seriously. There's a there's a basketball maturity. I talked to Scott Brooks about this yesterday on the podcast. He agrees they've got to take that next step. You can't say any more about Wall for sure, and even Beal that you know they're still so young. You know their prime is still ahead of them. I mean age wise, Beal's not in his prime, but he's. He's been in the league now for a while. Yes. You know, Wall is in his prime. So it's time for – they're still the keys to the team. You know, their maturity, their play, their availability is still going to be the biggest reasons, the two of them, as if, if they end up having a 50-win season, which they still have not had since 1979. It's pretty amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Like I've said so many times, the the – Bird and Magic era came and went. The Jordan era came and went. The Shaq-Kobe era came and went. And the LeBron era is in its down years. And this team still hasn't won 50 games in a season uh, that, that whole time and gotten past the second round of the playoffs that whole time. You know, I wish you could make that pitch for Dwight Howard. I'd love to see you make that pitch about Dwight Howard's value basketball-wise in front of executives for, well, the Houston Rockets or the Atlanta Hawks or maybe the Charlotte Hornets, like for, for, for Jordan. I'd love for you to make that pitch for Jordan. Or let's throw in the Brooklyn Nets who had him for 20 minutes. Okay, but don't ignore the fact that I said I'm guessing that it's not going to work out. Yeah, I know that, but that you would... talked for 15 minutes about how great he was on the basketball court. No, and I didn't then say, in 30 I, seconds I, I, you said, I, I, I may be totally wrong. No, I think, I, I think I'm going to be right about the chemistry not working out and that this being a bad idea. That's my prediction. That was my prediction when okay. they made the deal. I want to be on the record right now with you that I personally am not optimistic about this working out. I think, you know, at this point in his life and his career, he's who he is. He's who he is. Yeah. And he's I mean, who he is. You know, based on the, but inter- hold on, but I can say in the same breath that on the floor at times, his defensive ability, he's a force defensively. But, but that, and that's what this team's needed. But but all that does is illustrate the stench of him in the locker room and in the organization. That fair he, fair that, point. That he can be such a valuable contributor that nobody wants a part of. I think that's a fair a totally fair. You know? Totally fair. And and here's the thing he's not entering a, a locker room or a franchise. That is, you know, overflowing with maturity and leadership. No, no, they, it just they, isn't. You know, they had it for a season with Paul Pierce, and it's never well, been. They had back. it. They had it with Ariza. Well, they had it with Paul Pierce after that too. Yeah, I guess they did. They yeah. did. You're right. Um, yeah. I, and if they managed it somehow, so what do you think is going to happen this year? Oh, I think uh, 44 wins if they're lucky. 
I think they might be seventh, maybe eighth again. Look, I think John Wall shot physically. I think his needs are done. I, I think he's not going to hold up over the course of a season. I mean, he's had double knee surgery, and his recovery since then has been rocky. So I, I think I think John Wall is, physically can't hold up. And, and we've seen the one year, well, the year they played Boston to the seventh game, that was him coming off surgery, and he had like the sixth or seventh most minutes in the league. And, you know, eventually it wore him down. I don't think he, he's going to be able to keep up doing that. I think he's... I, I think you're looking at the downside of John Wall's career. I do think that what you're saying um, is that I, I think that, you know, to talk in sports cliche, uh, you know, terms, the window for him, which means it's the window for this team. Yeah. Is really potentially much shorter than people think because of that very reason, because once he loses that speed, he doesn't have the rest of the game. John Wall is – I've always said this about him. I love him. Okay, but he is much more athlete than really basketball player. He's a great basketball player. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's, he leads you know, he leads the team in assists, and he's always in, in, the, in the top three in assists in the league, and he sees the floor well, but he's not – those of you who really know the game understand what I'm saying. You get down to a big possession, and it's a half-court possession. It's still his athleticism that he relies on, even in that situation. You know, getting a ball screen and turning that corner with ferocity and speed. Um, it's not, you know, it's not working his way into a high percentage shot. It's not step back threes if your defender goes underneath the screen. It's it's a lot more it's it's a lot more athleticism. I, before we move on to the next topic, I think I think you'll understand where I'm coming from, and I think you're going to agree with me. I got um I got a text last night or the night before, and I was going to save it for you from a friend of mine who said, you know, I was just watching uh, a Wizards pre preseason thing. It, I don't know what it was on. Could have been ESPN. Could have been NBA TV. Could have been. Um, NBC, NBC Washington? Sports Washington could have been that too. Yeah, and don't you? And he said, it, it seems to me that everybody thinks that the key to the season is Otto Porter shooting more threes. <laughs> <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just started laughing. I said, "Are you kidding?" And he said, "No, that 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 was a big focus of it. That Otto Porter was third in the league last year in three point percentage, and for this team to really thrive, he's got to shoot more threes." Let me just tell you where that would rank on my list of things that are important for this team. No better than eighth on the list. All right. I, this is what drives me nuts. And you you feel the same way to a certain extent. I'm so sick of these advanced stats geekheads who couldn't tell you at any point watching a game how things are actually happening. They're, they're looking at the score. And they certainly know pace of play numbers. They know possessions per 48 minutes. They know offensive efficiency numbers. They know defensive efficiency numbers. But they cannot tell you why things are happening or why things aren't happening. You know, as someone who coached and has coached on and off for quarter of a century basketball, some of my favorite questions always came from parents who, you know, were into, you know, sports but yeah. didn't really know what's going on. Like simple questions like, why didn't you press more? Well, we didn't make any shots. I don't get it. Well, you pretty much have to make the shots to get your press set up. 
You know, like it's some teams can press off of missed shots or turnovers, but really at certain levels to set up your full court press, if you have one, you really got to make a few shots. <laughs> and so, you know, these are the things that these advanced geek guys just they, they don't it's not what they look at. They're looking at pure numbers. I don't want to hear about the three point shooting percentage and the desire from all of these advanced stats people for Otto Porter to please shoot more threes. Don't you know that he needs to shoot more threes, Kevin? Don't you know that? Uh, Yeah, his percentage is great, um, and I'd love it if Otto Porter shot more threes. Don't get me wrong. I'd love it if the Wizards as a team shot more threes. But you don't just say you got to shoot more threes. I hear this all the time from people, Tommy, who's th- their eyes are watering because they're so deep in these numbers, but they have no idea why things are happening in a real game. The Wizards did, all right, have the fourth best three point shooting percentage as a team last year, and they did shoot three point attempts at a rate that was 23rd in the league. And Otto Porter was third in percentage, but he was way down the list in three-point attempts. So you ask, why did Otto Porter shoot a high percentage on threes? Uh, Well, he's a good shooter. He is a good shooter. He's got good form. He's got a good release. And when he shoots Tommy with his feet set, catch-and-shoot threes behind the three-point line already, very often unguarded on the catch. Those are the threes you want Otto Porter to shoot. Now, to get him into the position to shoot more of those, you need to do more things offensively to create that. Having John Wall on the floor for 41 more games than he was on the floor last year will likely given that this is an emphasis now for the team, result in Otto Porter shooting more threes. Okay, so stop telling me he didn't shoot enough threes. John Wall wasn't on the floor for 41 games last year. John Wall creates opportunities for everybody else in this team like nobody else. I am not going to disagree with any of you that says that say, I'd like more three-point attempts. I would too. I would like that continued three-point percentage. I would too. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you tell Otto Porter to just starting to just start shooting more threes, and now he's trying to create on his own more three-point oh, that's obvious. Three-point attempts. He can't his do that. percentage is going to suck. Yes. He gets the threes that create the high percentage, as I said, feet set behind the line, catching it very often unguarded on the catch because of creation somewhere else or because of a fast break opportunity, those are the threes you want him to shoot. You do not want him trying to create off the dribble and and and, and jumping back and, and hit trying to shoot step-back threes. That's not what you want from him. So he gets his attempts up. In fact, he's a better mid-range player as a basketball player. He's a better mid-range player than he is a three-point player shooting, you know, guy. Yeah, but that game doesn't exist yes, when it, it comes to the Wizards. What, mid-range? Yeah. Well, he's he's got mid-range, and Bradley Beal's got some oh, decent Oh, I know they got game. it, but I'm just telling you what, what Austin Rivers told us is being drilled into their heads. Yeah, well, look, I mean, it's just, it drives me nuts because it's the, these people, they, it's like you, it's like they just want you to do better. Just do better. Well, uh, how? I, I just shoot more threes. 
it's it's like they have their kid come home with a bad report card and they say to their kid, you got to get more A's than C's. A's are better than C's. Don't you understand that? Well, yeah, but how are you going to get your kid to get A's? Like maybe let's talk about a tutor. Let's talk about not being home from school with the sniffles for a week. That might help them get more A's. Because you know those people are probably with their kids. They oh oh you can't go to school today. You got the sniffles. You got a terrible cold. <laughs> my kids, I, I people are going to hate me for this. I made my kids go to school almost. I mean, I get out the door. The showing up is eighty percent of life. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so you got to show up. Well, um, you're, you're, the mistake your kids made was, was was not not trying to stay home, but once they got to school, leaving. <laughs> That yeah. was always my plan. Yeah, that was my plan, too. Uh, netting it out, I think the Wizards can win 50 games this year. <laughs> I do. No, I, you don't. I do. No, I th- you don't. I think they can. Do you, okay. do you think they will? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I want them to. What odds would would it have to be for you to take that bet? What is their over-under in Vegas? I haven't even looked. I haven't, I'm going to guess I'm it's guessing like 46. It's 47, probably. Yeah, something like that, 45. Okay, Kevin. They, they... I, I, You know, it's pro- – if 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 forty five's the number, it's the right number. Okay, uh, forty four and a half apparently. There you there go. You That's go. what I hit. Forty four. I said if they're lucky. Uh, if that happens, uh, are you going to fire the general manager finally? Yeah. I, again, I've said this to you. And don't for tell many me. Years. Don't tell oh, yeah, me. Yeah. What's your solution? Don't tell me what you because I did your, that once. Okay, I did that you, for you one once. One time you did it. Well, because one it's time. not that hard to find okay, a solution. Whatever with you. I like, you want the job? Uh, I'll give it to you. I, you know what? I think I could do it. You would have drafted uh, Leonard. I would have drafted Kawhi Leonard. Yes. I would, I would have tried to draft Steph Curry. I would have thought about Steph Curry too. So uh, I told you. Know you, what? you always forget about that one. Okay. I I loved Steph Curry in that draft. Look at you're the general manager. Yeah. There you go. How's that? Okay, I, it's, Tommy. I know that this is really going to sound self-serving. <laughs> I think I could do of it course, in basketball. Of course you do. <laughs> and you think you you think you could be the clock management coach oh, in know, the NFL? Oh, I know I could do that. Oh my God! Is there anything I, you can't do, yes, Kevin? Yes, a lot of things I can't do. <laughs> Um, one of the things you should do is you should get windows from Window Nation. Harley and Aaron from Window Nation are big fans of this podcast, believers in Tommy and me. Um, we trust them. They trust us. We want you to trust them as well if you're in the market for new windows. Window Nation is our favorite window company. It should be yours too. Temperatures are falling fast, and that is a great reminder that your window, pun intended, that's pun intended, for getting new windows installed before the holidays and snow hits is closing. While most window companies are experiencing 12-week lead times, Window Nation can do it in less than half the time and save you half the money. Call today. Get two free windows for every two you buy. Buy four, get four free. Buy six, get six free. There's no limit. There's no limit at all. There's only one thing better than free windows. It's free financing. And for the next two weeks, Window Nation is offering no interest for five full years. New windows now and no interest for 60 months. Call the window company that over 80,000 homeowners have already trusted and take advantage of this amazing offer now and get two windows for every two you buy plus 0% interest for five full years. Visit windownation.com and save this winter and forever on your energy bills. Eliminate those nasty drafts and start enjoying all the benefits of new windows today. That's windownation.com or call 866-90-NATION today. It actually was chilly this morning. Yes, it was. It was. 
It, it was cold. Up in Frederick, it's a little bit cold. You're in a different climate up there yes. in Frederick. Yes, we are. I think the average temperature is like three degrees <laughs> less than it is where I am. It, it really is. I know. You're Believe starting me. to get up there in the foothills. Remember when I couldn't get out of my house yes, I do. for five days? Because yeah. I'm in an apartment complex, and we were deep yeah. in the complex. Yeah. And by the time they got to – it snowed on a Friday afternoon. By the time they got to us, it was Tuesday afternoon. You must have been so pleasant by around Sunday <laughs> of that weekend. Um, want to get to we'll get to Redskins Cowboys here in a moment. Scott Van Pelt's going to join us. Uh, I want to play what Bill Belichick said yesterday. Did you hear what he said yes. when he was asked about Khalil Mack? Yeah, yeah Patriots it was, play the Bears this week. It, it, it was like all of a sudden Belichick forgot he was Belichick. Exactly. Yes. This is what Belichick said. He was asked about what he thought of Khalil Mack and how good Khalil Mack was. We're talking about Lawrence Taylor now. Yeah, I'm not putting anybody in Lawrence Taylor's class. So you put everybody down below that. that that's with a lot of respect to a lot of good players now, but we're talking about Lawrence Taylor. We're talking about Lawrence Taylor. He said. You, know, you know, his voice is so low, he could sing for the Temptations. <laughs> that's unbelievable how low that, that voice is. And for a minute, like, basically, he went out of Belichick coach speak. Uh, with, 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 with that. It was like somebody rang a bell and said, I said, Lawrence Taylor, are you kidding me? I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. And did you see Twitter on this? Like, for, even for people who can't stand Belichick, it was like he was standing up in that moment being un-Belichick-like yes. to tell everybody who doesn't know, no, 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 no. This guy, LT, he's the greatest ever and there is no debate. It's kind of like, Tommy, for your generation... The Jim Brown debate. Like any anybody that used to talk about Jim Brown would say, no, it's Jim Brown, and then we can talk about other guys right. like Walter Payton and wh- whomever. Right. For me, it's it's LT one and whoever's two, you gotta walk down five flights of steps to get to number two. He's the greatest football player of my lifetime and in, in my life of watching football from the seventies on. And nobody's close. Do you feel the same way about LT or not? As the greatest defensive player I've ever seen, yeah. Uh, not necessarily the greatest uh, football player. Who was player. a better football player? Uh, well, Jim Brown was okay. a better football Well, I'm saying player. my lifetime, right. my generation of watching right. football. And, and I would actually, I, I, I would put Unitas in there as well. Okay. Uh, but uh, he's the best defensive football player uh, I, I ever saw. And the remarkable thing is he will always be, when you think about it, that will never change. Because defense is being legislated out of the league. Lawrence Taylor couldn't play the style of football he plays in Did this you league. see the football life, Lawrence Taylor, yet? Have yeah. you watched it? Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting there watching it with one of my sons, and he kept saying, those plays were allowed? I'm yeah. like, yeah, they were allowed. That was yeah. football. So there couldn't be an LT today. So I think, you know, in a way, there's certain records that will always stand because uh, what those guys did is at, you know, it's been legislated or out of the game or the game has changed. There'll never be anyone better than Lawrence Taylor as a defensive player. Never. Nobody, I, I don't think anybody before him, you know, Joe Green, Butkus, I don't think those were. Uh, Butkus is close. Okay, but. Butkus n- is close. Nobody was more influential on changing the way offenses had to deal with a pass well, De- rusher. Deacon Jones did. What, did he? Deacon Jones. I mean, they, they outlawed the, the head slap I because know. of Deacon Jones. Yeah, I know. Which was basically remarkable that the defensive lineman could, could actually punch, punch the guy in front of him and get away with it. <laughs> the guy's head. Yes. <laughs> um, LT, I, 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 Twitter lit up because, again, I think there's this generation of people 
35 to however old they are, that will just say, as a football fan, when you watched it, you just knew there, there's never been anything that looked like that. Yeah. No, no defensive player ever, when you sat down to watch a football game, ever, you, you, I mean, you couldn't take your eyes off of 56. He was the most dominant player on the field. Everybody knew where he was. You had to, to run. I remember the Redskins a couple times would try to run at him to nullify his speed. That didn't work either. Nothing worked. Jacoby with the H-back block, nothing worked. Um, I I don't even think for all the people that want to bring Reggie White into the conversation, I don't see it. I know how great Reggie White was. And maybe it's because LT was more of an outside edge speed guy and that that it it, it, it was it's an image that you you sort of never forget is the, this, the fear that he induced with that edge speed. I know Reggie White was a great player. I think Ronnie Lott was a great player. I think Ed Reed was a great defensive player. I think, um, you know, I, I, I think Ken Easley was one of the best defensive players I've ever watched, but none of them compare to LT. No, he's the best, and he'll always be the best. It, it's the nature of the game now. I mean, he'll always have that crown. Belichick, you had you had to go to some pass rusher to say where do you where do you rank Khalil Mack? It's Lawrence Taylor. I mean, no disrespect to anybody else, but the the conversation starts and ends with Lawrence Taylor. Uh, All right, let's get to uh, some phone calls. And the question is, do you feel it for this game? Do you feel the momentum building for this game that this is now a big game Sunday, Redskins Cowboys? What is your Current feeling. Remember, this was after the New Orleans game. A lot of people are like, "Up, oh, there goes another season." Yeah, here we go. You know, spiraling out of control. Then they get a win, and now all of a sudden, the Cowboys had this big win. I think part of this, Tommy, is that the Cowboys had this big win last week. Oh yeah, I you think know? that juices it up a lot. I think it does too. All right, let's get to the, the Redskins Cowboys, Tommy. Um, it does feel all of a sudden for me, and I think part of it is because the Cowboys won the way they did Sunday against Jacksonville, and the Redskins won their game against Carolina. It feels here on a Thursday, and I said this yesterday, it's starting to feel like a big game, like it's a legitimate big Redskins Cowboys game. Let's get to the phone lines, and we'll start with our good friend. Clarence Goldsboro. Clay's on the uh, on our hotline, on our Window Nation hotlines. Actually, we have not given Window Nation that sponsorship yet. They're they're the title sponsorship of the show, but that that's a way to tease that those of you uh, advertisers that are considering being the guest hotline sponsor. That's how we do it. Let's go to the Window Nation guest hotlines and bring on Clay. Clay, what do you say? Kevin, Tommy, thanks for. Uh having me on. I'm a first-time podcast caller, long-time <laughs> listener. Um, I, you know, if you look at the last few years of this rivalry, then yes, you could say this game means more than some of the others have met. Oh boy. But if you look, go back even further to when it really mattered, it's nothing compared to that. I mean, I can still remember being young and watching Glenn Brenner. Uh, what was the name of that show he had on that 730? Redskins Sidelines. And, and remember the, the uh, participants that were there kind of jumping up and down saying, we want Dallas. I mean, that, that was big. I mean, that's, you know, so relatively speaking, no, it's not big. But it does matter more than it's mattered in the past because both organizations have been terrible. Uh, both owners are awful. And both coaches are average to below average. 
so given all of those, I think, realities, and yes, it is bigger than a set. I, I think, I think it, it's definitely bigger than what we expected when we looked at the schedule. Uh, Absolutely. You know, I think, I think, and, and I think that changed in the last week, like Kevin said. Uh, not just the Cowboys win, but the 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 uh, margin of their victory, the way they seemingly, uh, you know, at least offensively found the game plan. I think that raises the stakes of the game. I'm really surprised at you. You you've handled this very well, because I was convinced. Well, I, I, I was very convinced that you <laughs> were going to sure. say. Well, no, it's 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 not a big game. I mean, we've we've won f- the last four pretty handily over over the Redskins in five of the last six, and so I, I you you know you could see how it would be big for Redskin fans, but it's not very big for Cowboy fans. But you sort of acknowledge there that you know if, for an early season Redskins Cowboys game compared to recent years, it's important yeah. and it feels big to a certain degree. Well, so thank and, you for that. Again, That's well, you also, that was you selfless. Well, you're welcome. And, and you also mentioned that we had a big win last week. And Tommy will love this analogy. We fought a one-handed boxer last week. So imagine if you're in a ring with a guy who only had one hand. The Jaguars do not have an NFL quarterback. They don't have a guy who can actually complete a forward pass consistently. So Consistently. I, I, I just, I, I, consistently, right. I just count that completely. And I, and I do want to add as well that, and I said this to Richard Walker, um, that I'm going to petition NFL and make a statement that it is unfair to give Dallas two home games against Washington every year. I think that <laughs> coming and having to so that, so that when we play you guys, it looks like you're in Texas. Is They need to do something about – Well, you um, know what? The, look. Tickets we can get – Seriously, again, no. It's enough. awfully kind of you to 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 go yeah. to that length to get that uh, to get that change. You but, know, you might want to but, contact Redskins Marketing. I think they might like that idea. But you know this, although you don't, because you've never traveled outside of the area. Um, that true, the, the game, the games in Dallas aren't home games for the Cowboys either, and there are a lot of Redskins fans in Texas for the games down there. But you are correct. This Sunday, I am guessing at best for the Redskins, it's a 50-50 split at best. If they're lucky. All right, thank you. Wait a minute. One question for you. Yes. One question for you. Do you think that the five-game home winning streak will be broken on Sunday? Because I need to know if I'm going to bet or not bet based (laughs) on your comments. You've won four in a row. No, it's five. Five in your row at your house. Oh, you five, know, five in Washington. That's right. That's right. Good yeah. God, it's I been, just, you know, don't, it's don't, been don't five me. years. It's since it's the RG3 game in 2012 was the yeah. last time that we've beaten the Cowboys at so-called I home. I didn't want to rub that in your face. All right. And, and by the way, thank, thank well, you. No, no, don't get rid of right. him yet because, I mean, he made this statement about the game they played last week against a one-armed yeah. boxer. Listen, yeah. I've seen the Cowboys fight one-armed boxers with a straitjacket. Okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, one, one quick Of course, one Colin more quick Ka- thought. Colin, Ka- Colin Kaepernick has two arms. FYI. Just for anybody in Jacksonville okay. who may be listening and want, may want to be reasonable. All right. Just Thank, throw that out there. Thanks for that. Thank you so thanks much for that for statement. You. you made a statement Thank here today so on the show. I'll talk to you later. Thank you thanks so very much. Let's go to Brad. Uh, Brad, uh, thanks for holding. You're on with Tommy and me. What's up? Hey, Kevin. What's up, buddy? How you doing, Brad? Hi, Brad. I'm good. Hey, Tom. How are you, man? All right. Good to hear from you. Yeah, good to hear from you guys both. Miss, I miss, miss you being on the air, Kevin. Thanks, Brad. I've missed, I've missed talking to you, too. What's going on? Hey, man. Um, let me see if I can say this properly. 
as consistently inconsistent as the team is, I don't see how any fan could really be up for any game, even Dallas. I don't feel like how they could see any game as a big game from the standpoint of the letdowns that this team gives you. So, you know, as a fan, it's hard to really get up for any game when you kind of feel like that letdown's coming. You know what I mean? But that, but, hey. but you see, all that could change with a win on Sunday. I mean, if, if could. I mean, so I think that that's the carrot out there is that this is the hey. this is the potential where the narrative could at least slightly change. Hey, Brad. First of all, I, I now realize it's my favorite Brad who always called in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it didn't sound like you at the beginning of the call, but uh, Brad to me has always been a top five sharp caller. Um, I. I feel I know what you're saying. I, I just think that the combination of the win over Carolina, which pretty much saved the season, I think it would have spiraled out of control potentially internally um, had they lost that game. There were people ready to pounce, I think, in the building had they laid another egg uh, like they did in the Monday night game against the Saints. I believe that the combination of winning that game and the Cowboys killing Jacksonville and the fact that their records are what they are give us a chance here for sort of one of those environments you know pre-kickoff at 425 that'll feel big I I, I think it's going to feel big by the time we get to it and to Tom's point and to that point though I felt like the Saints was that game right we all went in the Saints game saying oh here's your opportunity on national stage like are you you know and it's just we always do this and they're just so inconsistent that it's just future. You know, history has told us this is what they are, right? This is uh, we have this, and we're like, oh god, right? Like, yes, would a win would change all that? I totally agree. But I feel like we've been saying that, right? For how many yeah, times? I know. I know. A win here would a win here would change it, and they don't win that game. We just identified, by the way, we just identified an issue with taking calls on this podcast. We're going to have to get uh, corrected, and that is the call waiting beeping noise. Yes. Um, is beeping throughout this call, so we we have I didn't the, even this is the we we took calls the other day, but we only took a few, and now we got calls coming in. So we're uh, we're gonna have to figure out how to get that beeping sound off the air somehow. Um, Brad, yeah. thanks so much Thank for calling you, in. It's great hey, to hear hey, your voice, man. Post, yeah, keep posting some stuff, Kevin. So I know what you guys got going on. I want to uh, congratulations on your new endeavors, man. I want to kind of keep up with you guys, but. So keep posting some stuff. If you're out there, you're doing some, you know, you're in some places, man. Put it out there. So we will. I'm to run into you at some point. We man. will. All we right. will, Brad. Thanks so much. No problem, buddy. Good luck. Appreciate it. Uh, let's go yeah. to – what are we going to do about that, that beeping? We can't stop it. I, I have to basically tweet out now, stop calling. <laughs> uh, let's – is Ian on hold? Really, he, got, he was the first to call in. Let's take Ian. Let's go. Ian, what's up? Kevin, Tommy, how are you? Ian, it's great to hear from you. No, you you don't mean that. Yes, I do. You I, do? I look at I met Ian. I know you're the one. Actually, more. I think Ian, you've. I may be the only person you haven't met, right? I think so. Uh, the think call. So. We, we got a caller. We got a call waiting issue. That, ignore it. That ignore be, it, Kevin. It's hard to, to ignore. Kevin, it. I know. I look at there's there's voices in your head all the time <laughs> that you. Oh, ignore. so am I the only one hearing that? <laughs> um. All right, Ian. What do you got? So here's my thought. The reason why it doesn't feel like a real week is because they haven't won two games in a row. I think the NFL pivots on two or three game winning streaks. You build that 
you build excitement. You lose two or three games in a row, the season's over, regardless of when it occurs. So the reason why it's hard for anybody to be truly ramped up is because there's no flow to the season. Every time someone wants to build optimism, they're met with pessimism. And like Tom always says, there's always the backdrop of, something bad's going to happen. And it's amazing to me, Kevin, you've talked about this on the podcast. Every other week, we talk about if Gruden doesn't do X, it could mean departure Y. If you have that backdrop constantly, it's hard for anybody to believe like, yep, let's get on board. This is a playoff team. This is a team we can build on. This is something we can look forward to. You have an aging quarterback that's that's not better than the previous guy. We all agree on that. We agree on that. Not everybody agrees on that, but a few of us agree on that. Go ahead. You can't. You can't debate facts with crazy people. You know. So let's let's not get into that. But the reason I I just think the the season hasn't been able to take off till you get some true momentum. Now look, they win Dallas this week. They win another game. You're really talking about some excitement. But right now, you go one and zero, one and one, two and one, two and two, three and two potentially three and three how can anybody get that excited i you know the thing is is i I don't even think you like you're, you're getting into a lot of stuff as to why you feel the way you feel or the way people feel the way they feel and i can only speak from my perspective and after the New Orleans game, I think I really sensed that the, the Carolina game was a gotta play well and really, if if they know it's best for them, have to win the game. And now for me, there's this different feeling of, hey, Dallas was impressive. The Redskins are three and two. The Cowboys are three and three. We haven't had a matchup between the two teams where at least one of the teams didn't have a losing record in forever. Yeah, look, look at, like it's, it's it's like like I said, it's a bigger game than we expected big, when we saw it on the schedule. It's a big TV window. The four twenty five. It's you know CBS, Nance, but, Romo, but like I, I, there'll be some cold weather. It just feels Ian bigger right to me all of a sudden. It, it all will, of a sudden, Ian's right that everything will will jump significantly to another level if they win. Right, if Washington wins. All right, Ian, thanks as thanks, always. Ian. Appreciate it. Let's go to Steve. Steve, thanks so much for holding. Go ahead. Oh boy, that call. Waiting. Hey, no, how are you guys doing? I'm here. Sorry about that. No, That's okay, no, no, Steve. It's, it's not. Cool. It's not you. We got the beeping uh, going on here. Um, from the call waiting, we'll have to. We'll, we're going to figure that out uh, at some point. Kevin's going to have his team work on that. My, yeah. my big team here. Yes, it'll be me on the phone with Verizon. Uh, go ahead, Thank Steve. Thank you guys for having me on. And uh, yeah, man, loving the podcast, loving the format, uh, and loving Tommy on the show. So it's great. Um, I just want to say, yeah, I mean, this week has so many cool storylines, starting with defense up front. I mean, they get rid of Ziggy Hood. What are they going to do? But that roster spot, I don't know if you already addressed that or whatnot. I find that interesting, but it's showing we have confidence in those big big dogs. We got the secondary trying to get together. Are they going to be able to, you know, defend Dallas, who doesn't have the great receiving core, you know, and the things that it used to kind of have? Uh, uh, also, you know, Gruden, is he going to keep his foot and intensity down and really make this game, you know, a statement, or are we going to lose another one after another win? Um, and then, you know, is this going to just lead us into the next steps? I, I feel like this team has a lot of room to grow. I feel like this game is big, and I'm excited. So uh, that's kind of how I feel about it. Thanks, Steve, so much for the call. Thank really you, Steve. appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you listening. 
All right. Talk to you guys later. All right. Take take care. You know, he talked about Gruden's uh, intensity. You know, the, the coach had to defend his intensity I know yesterday. He, did. he basically had to say it's not ring around the rosy around here. Did he explain to half the media corps what <laughs> ring around the rosy was? Um, I haven't talked about the um, the release of Ziggy Hood, and Steve just brought it up. I did mention uh, on Monday that the Redskins have gone away from this defensive line rotation strategy that they've had. Uh, it's not their strategy anymore. Payne, Ioannidis, and Allen are playing the majority uh, of the snaps. Um, Ziggy Hood and Tim Settle didn't even play a defensive snap on Sunday. I find that interesting. It's a total change in strategy. Now, it makes sense because they haven't had players as good as right. Allen and Payne, and they're young, and defense has been a major problem, and with them on the field, it's not as much of a problem anymore. My guess is, though, they're not going to add another D lineman. I don't think that'll be the player that they add to the roster, and perhaps by the time we get to the end of today, they've already added uh, a player. I don't know what they'll add. Uh, but they, they've got, you know, they played nickel 52 of 60 defensive snaps last week. So they had, you know, they had guys like McPhee and Josh Harvey Clemens in the game, uh, Ryan Anderson in the game a little bit. There was no room for Settle and for Ziggy Hood anyway. The one thing I've heard about Ziggy Hood, though, over the last couple of years is that he was one of the real Glue guys. He was. He was yeah. a glue guy, and he was a respected guy in the locker room. Yeah. But they seem to have other guys like that now. Jonathan Allen seems to be emerging as as that kind of guy. Uh, and, you know, I mean, you, you can't just keep a guy around because he's a good cheerleader. No, you can't. You know? You can't. The one thing I wanted to talk about, about Redskins. Yes. Can I can I get it in now? Yes, you may. Do I have time, or do I you have do. to call? Should I call? No, don't call. No, because Let's the not. beeping will start. Uh, and uh, those, and <laughs> for those of you that are listening, and we didn't get to it, we're just we're going to figure out the answer here with the beeping on the call waiting. Because I, I would imagine that that was a bit annoying. Somebody's going to gonna pay to. it Verizon for this. I can tell you that. Yeah. So we we go from one annoying thing to listen to to now what Tommy has to say. You go know, ahead. <laughs> again, I know this. You'll love to hear this again. But what? Uh, when I was on with Chad on Wednesday, we talked about this and. You know, he went off about the fact that people keep saying, well, this is just like same old Redskins. You know, they're nothing to be excited about. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, it's they've been the same team. They've been a 500 team for years. And, you know, he, he pointed out that they were 4 and 12, 3 and 13. They've had a lot of bad years where 500 would have looked pretty good. <laughs> That's true. So, but my point was. That it's the difference between the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. In other words, five and four and twelve, five and eleven might might be a lot worse than seven and nine or eight and eight. But eight and eight feels like five and eleven. I'm with you on that. It just feels like if you can't fool the fan base on no. this, they've been through it too many times. So it's not an eight and eight team that you that you really can buy in is on the upswing. It's 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 who they are. It just has the same feel. So yeah, they've been four and twelve, and they've been five and eleven, three and thirteen, and eight and eight, nine and seven is a hell of a lot better. But it doesn't feel that way. Look, I tried to make the case after you know the 2016 season when they didn't make the playoffs. They went eight, seven, and one, 
and they had that horrific loss to the Giants to end the season and get uh, the game that knocked them out of the playoffs. I tried to make the case to people that, look, if you really are paying attention here, you know, first of all, that's the first back-to-back winning season record situation since I think it was the late 90s. Yeah. I think it was 99-2000 was – 99 was 10-6, and 6, 2000 was 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, But there also was a 96-97, I think, was like a 9-7 and seven and maybe an 8-7-1, and one, which was exactly what – 2015 was 9-7 and seven playoffs. Uh, 2016 was 8-7-1 and one and should have been in the playoffs. And – Yes, Kirk threw a terrible interception at the Giant game, but also, yes, the kicker missed a point-blank 30-yard field goal in London that would have been the difference and missed two kicks against Detroit and two against the Cowboys that would have been the difference. And if the defense could have stopped anybody for just one other game that year. so. But my point was that they, if they continued to add pieces, that they were heading in the right direction. That those two years back-to-back, and it may have been, Tommy, because I liked Kirk. And I thought they had finally found an answer, quarterback. Now, I needed them to lock it up long-term, which they never did. Um, But that those two middling seasons, record-wise, 9-7-8-7-1 with one playoff uh, season, and really what could have been very easily a second playoff season, was momentum. I thought it was. Um, See, I think uh, the Giants' loss killed all the momentum. I think Sean McVay I, I, leaving killed all the momentum. I, I think the Giants lost. I when they lost that game, I called it one of the biggest losses in decades for this team, and everyone laughed at me. But no, I don't nobody think they, laughed at you. It was I, a no, devastating well, well, maybe loss. Maybe they just laugh at me for other stuff. There, that's true. So, uh, but I, I, do, I do tend to agree with you that it's not really necessarily about the record. It's yeah. it's about it's it's a more you know non quantifiable thing. It's it's the way you feel. It's what you just watched. I mean, eight and eight can look and feel like three and thirteen. Yes, it can also feel like eleven and five. Yes, it can for a team um, on the rise. And and you know, the the fatigue clouds everything. There's a fatigue uh, that this fan base uh, has had to deal with. That's and, true. And it's tough to make sometimes rational judgments when you're tired. It's true. I want to tell you about Farish, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Fairfax. Farish should be on your list if you're considering something new. Go to FarishCars.com right now. If not now, you can do it after you listen to this podcast. But remember, with a podcast time, you can just put it on hold right now and come back to it later and go to Farish Cars right now because Farish Cars is the best place if you've been thinking about something new. And FarishCars.com Kevin Farish and Ralph Perkins and the whole team out there, they're smart and they really know what customers want and they make it easy for them. You go to FarishCars.com and they've got three big bars on the homepage. New inventory, used inventory, or schedule service. What else do you want when you go to a car dealership? (laughs) Sometimes I think it's so hard to find things on a website, and Farish has it figured out. You go to the website, three big bars, new cars, used cars, schedule service. Do they have coffee? Uh, You could probably get coffee delivered as well. I bet you they have coffee. But it's part of what makes Farish uh, so good, in my view, is that they've always really understood the customer and they've made it easy for the customer. So if you give them a chance, I promise they won't disappoint. Their sales team's experienced. Most of their sales reps have been at Farish for 20 years. Their service department is the best. You have a scheduled service and you show up at Farish, you're, you're in and out of there. You're not sitting there waiting and 
and and you know waiting for somebody to come out and help you and then waiting for your vehicle you're in and out they take care of you right now it'll take you two clicks at farishcars.com to get their inventory and pricing live and their best deals too they've got plenty of inventory on the lot right now whatever you're looking for you'll likely find it in the make model and color and be able to drive it off the lot lots of jeeps the compass sport the compass latitude jeep renegades great deals right now on just about anything jeep cherokees grand cherokees and wranglers included if you're thinking about a minivan there are plenty of chrysler pacificas on farish's lot right now and the deals are as good as you'll get all year long if you like this show and you're thinking about buying something new i give you my word that you'll be taken care of if you head out to farish in fairfax and ask for ralph perkins they're located right there in fairfax circle ask for ralph when you get there tell him i sent you he'll put you in touch with their best salesperson you can also find out everything you need to know about farish right now including live inventory and pricing at farishcars.com all right let's get to the nfl power poll for the week rank them one to five it's time for our weekly nfl power poll thank you ralph wesley it's time for our weekly power poll our nfl power poll your favorite segment of the week top five couple of other teams to keep an eye on you look you're looking at me like you're actually ready to go. Well, no, I'm kind of confused because I was ready for an NFL power ranking. I wasn't quite ready for an <laughs> NFL power poll. We, we titled it differently. Oh, you see, you, and you didn't tell you, me? Well, you've been I on the get, show now for a month. So I didn't get anything. This would, have been, this would be our fifth one of the year. I was prepared for an NFL power ranking. You're never ranking. prepared for anything. Not for a poll, but I'll, I'll do my best. Can we turn that music down a little bit, Aaron? Underneath? I don't know what it sounds like on the air, but... We'll just turn it down a little bit because I can barely hear Tommy. He's yelling at me. (laughs) Go ahead. What's your top five? Okay, my top five. You'll be happy with this one. (laughs) Number five, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, The Ravens' defense is is legitimate. Joe Flacco is is back to being uh, January Joe, except he's doing it in uh, September and October. They've got a string of games coming up against real good teams, so we'll find out exactly how good the Ravens are moving forward. They play the Saints, I think, this week. So the Ravens are my number five pick. Uh, number four are the, are the Saints. You know, uh, we'll find out. They play the Ravens this week. We'll find out which of those teams is legit and which of those teams falls back after that. The Chiefs finally lost in a hell of a game, a hell of a shootout. Uh, Hall of Fame quarterback Pat Mahomes still leading a team that, that has a, an unbelievably powerful offense and still no defense. Kansas City Chiefs at number three. The New England Patriots are always are, are, are number two because they're the Patriots, because they're Belichick, and uh, I don't really see any challenge to them uh, when push comes to shove in the AFC. And the Rams, they should just give them the title now. You know, they should just give them their ticket to the Super Bowl now, number one. Who's going to beat the Rams? Um, I don't know. I- I'm not going to pencil them in uh, to the Super Bowl quite yet. I think, I think both. The AFC and NFC, right now, like if the season ended right now, there would be some fascinating matchups. Like, I would love to see Baltimore's defense against Kansas City, which we're going to see in the regular season. Yes. Yeah. I, I Actually, I think the one team that the Patriots would not want to play are the Ravens. I think that would, would have been the case last year. You know, the Ravens have the Saints this week. Yes. They play the Steelers again. They play the Panthers on the road. They've they play rough, the Chiefs on the road. They play the games. Chargers on the road. Yeah. Wow, that is a schedule. Yeah. Uh, my number five team's Kansas City. I, I just can't get over 
my gut feeling that this is not a Super Bowl team. It is a fun team to watch offensively. I will grant you that. I mean, they have some weapons, and Mahomes definitely looks like the real deal, even though I wouldn't hand him a gold jacket quite yet. Um, They have weapons like we haven't seen one team have weapons like Kansas City does in the speed area in particular with Hill and Hunt. Um, I just, I, I almost thought about having them outside of the top oh, you five. Can't do that. I, well, I could do that. It's my it's my show too. I could do that if I wanted to do it. <laughs> yeah, but you would have looked more foolish than normal. Uh, that's true, and maybe I just didn't want to look foolish. But that's never stopped me before, has it? <laughs> I don't think that they like. They're going to win the AFC West. I think. I mean, the Chargers. The Chargers. May, are, Chargers may have something to say about that. The Chargers are my team to watch from the outside looking in. But they've already beaten the Chargers on the so-called road so far. <laughs> I mean, their next game with the Chargers is in December at home. The Chiefs do play the Rams. That's going to be a heavyweight matchup. That's a Monday night game in November. Uh, that now, could, Eric Berry isn't playing yet for them. I don't think. Uh, Eric. Uh, Eric Perry playing. I don't think he is. Mm, he's, I think he's been playing. Okay. No, you may be right. Yeah, I don't think he is. You yet. may be right. He, I don't know how not, much no, of a no, difference no, he, maker he's not that'll play, be. He's not playing yet. He's when, not playing when he comes yet. back. So, um, I, I'm going to put him at five. I, Kansas City's number five. I, I can't make the case, a, a reasonable case, that somebody's better than them outside the top five. But I will tell you who I do have in front of them. I've got the Ravens in front of them. Yeah, uh, I can see that. The Ravens gave up 106 yards to Tennessee. Tennessee had the ball nine times and punted nine times <laughs> and had five three and outs. All right, Tennessee's not a great offensive team. I'll grant you that. Yeah, but any NFL team to have those kind of numbers is absurd. The Saints are the third best team, um, and this is a, a big game and, and sort of a an under-the-radar game because it's in that non-national TV 405 start on Fox Sunday uh, in Baltimore, Saints at Ravens, but you're talking about a great offense against a great defense. That's such a good game. I wish that were... Uh, I wish that were the Thursday night game. Yes. Uh, You know what? I actually would have thought about, if I were the NFL, flexing that game to Sunday night instead of Kansas City-Cincinnati, but they want Mahomes and the Chiefs right now because that is... It's a big draw, so I guess they made the right move there. But uh, the Saints are the third best team. I got the Patriots at two. Boy, the Patriots all of a sudden, man, have some weapons offensively. I mean, that's the big difference here. Uh, they all of a sudden over the last three weeks have put up massive numbers um, with Edelman back, with Josh Gordon into the fold, with Gronk healthy, with the emergence of Sony Michelle. Uh, the Patriots are a dangerous team, although I think that they are on upset alert Sunday at Soldier Field. That looks like a smell test pick to me uh, tomorrow. Uh, and then the Rams are the best team, Tommy. They're the best team yeah. in the league. They're undefeated. They, they've they survived some tests here on the road the last two weeks. You know, they had three straight home games to get them to 4-0. Uh, and then they played at Seattle, at Denver, uh, won two close games. Now they're at 49ers on Sunday. You know, that's that should be a win for them. They have some big matchups coming up. You know, you look down the road. I already mentioned they've got that Monday night game with the Chiefs in November, but two weeks prior to that, you're going to get a Rams-Saints game in the Superdome. That's going to be a big game. Potentially, by the time we get to December, Philadelphia is back in form, and you've got an Eagles-Rams Sunday night game scheduled in December. 
Um, but the one thing that's becoming clear about the NFL right now is that there is one division pretty much decided, and it's the NFC West. The, the Rams are going to be, more likely than not, a top-two seed in the NFC with a first-round bye and a home field in the second game uh, as the NFC West champ. I don't know that you can definitely say that about the Chiefs in the AFC West, and I don't even know that you can definitely say that about the Patriots in the AFC East, although I would say that. But the Jets are a team that's very interesting, Tommy, and that's my team to sort of keep an eye on. And they have a game Sunday at home against Minnesota, and the Jet media, the New York media, and the Jet fan base, they want Kirk Cousins' blood. <laughs> they think he disrespected them during the free agent process, used them as leverage, and then taunted them through that little you know video thing that he yes. did about the process. And they are out for blood this week against Minnesota uh, in the Meadowlands. Um, and the Jets have, have quietly won you know, two games in a row impressively. I'm not saying against great opponents, Denver and Indianapolis, but they have a good defense. Uh, they have actually have, at this point, they've got potentially a very good defense. They did last year, too, with Jamal Adams. The rookie looks good. And with Williams and, and Copeland and some of the guys they've got up front, this is, a, this is a good defensive team who can run the ball offensively. Keep an eye on the Jets. I don't think that this is a team that is going to limp to some sort of 5-11 and 11 or 6-10 and 10 or worse finish. I think this is a team that's going to be right around the 500 or better mark most of the year. Who, who are you asking everybody well, again, to keep an eye on? Uh, mine was the Chargers. Right. I mean, I like somebody needs too. to keep an eye on the Chargers because nobody in Los Angeles is paying attention to them, apparently. Uh, there's stories that the Chargers may be in trouble, their future in L.A. This two NFL team move to L.A. is looking really foolish now. It, and uh, there's speculation about the Chargers maybe moving back to San Diego. I would love that as an NFL fan. I don't want them in Los Angeles. They have, There's no reason for them to be in Los Angeles. Nobody's going to root for the Chargers in Los Angeles. The Rams at least were in L.A. San Diego's a big enough market to support an NFL team. And you know what? If they don't get the great new stadium with all the luxury stuff – because the, the, the voters don't want it there, have them play at Qualcomm or Jack Murphy or whatever it's still called at this point. Yeah, I mean, the bigger issue for for the Chargers in L.A., there's not enough advertising and and sponsorship money to go around to support two NFL football teams. Where I mean, where, I mean God, you would think the L.A. economy could support it. Yeah, I know, but there, it's, it's a really competitive market uh, for, for sponsorship and entertainment dollars. Yes, it is. It is true. It's true. I mean, in, you know, Wilbon was on with me yesterday and he said, look, the Lakers are still number one. The Lakers are always the number one out there. And it's not the Rams and it's not the Dodgers, even with the Dodgers competing, you know, uh, what is this, the fourth straight year, third straight year, where they potentially are going to, you know, ha have a chance to win a World Series for the first time in, in a long time. Um, and you know this too. When USC's a powerhouse in football, that's a massive story yes. in Los Angeles. Uh, all right, we're going to get to Scott Van Pelt here momentarily, but um, God, there was just tragic news yesterday. Uh, the passing of Rich Tandler, who both of us knew, you knew much better than I um, because you've covered the team and you've spent much more time with the media core at Redskins Park when 
uh, when when Rich was there. But I knew Rich well enough and had him on the show, you know, whether it was with you or with Cooley or by myself for the Redskins pregame show dozens and dozens of times. And he was always just such he was such a gentleman, so nice and he was an egoless. Like, it, you know, Tommy, like for me, there were times where I would call Rich 10 minutes before a segment started. And I'd say during a break, hey, I hate to do this to you. I'm so sorry for the late ask. Any chance you're available in 10 minutes? No problem. Let me get to a landline. And he he would go out of his way to sort of help people. Um, I loved my conversations, whether they were in person, whenever I saw him, or on the air about the Redskins, because he was, uh, you know, one of those guys. And I feel like I, you know, I, I love having conversations with people like Rich about Redskins and Redskins history and some of the great games and some of the great players and some of the great situations. And he knew his stuff cold. And um, it's just sad. So my sympathies out to his family, and uh, and and I will remember Rich is just a really really good guy. Um, and not everybody in in the media, although this is a pretty good sports media town. There are everybody pretty much gets along with everybody. Exactly, but yeah. Rich really was was a, a super nice, kind guy. Yeah, I, I echo all that. I'm going to talk about the professional life of Rich Tandler. He. Uh, they should build uh, um, uh, an exhibit to him at the museum because what he did in this day and age is remarkable. He built himself up. He was a restaurant manager until, what, he was in his, like, 40s. But he really wanted to write about the Redskins. And he started writing these history books, these remarkable history books, where he went back and he wrote books that chronicled every single game the Redskins ever played. A write-up and a box score of every single game this franchise had played. Remarkable books. I had, I knew about Rich's work long before he started blogging. Then when blogging became a thing, like around 2004 or so, he started writing this blog, Real Redskins. Uh, and he, he just wrote himself into being relevant. When Comcast started their website around 2010, 2011, they kind of picked him up as an afterthought, the blog. Yes. You know, and, and once he was in that door, he wasn't getting out. Right. He became an integral part of, com of, of now NBC uh, Sports Washington's coverage of the Redskins. And this was all self-made. And for this to happen, for, for a 55, 60-year-old white male in this day and age, to be able to crack into uh, the internet age of, of sports reporting like he did is astounding. I mean, I, I, odds were against him. It was a hundred to one, a thousand to one shot that he would have gotten to the point where he did. And he did it all through hard work. He did it all because he was the first guy to post every day on the Redskins beat. Five, six o'clock in the morning, Tandler would be posting stuff. And, and 141 days to training camp, 152 to the first preseason game. I read his blog, Tommy, on every day that I did a radio show. I would go read his blog just to see if I missed anything or to see what his thought of the day was. Yeah, that was he, had, he gave you know relevant he, information. He gave great ideas. Create. Cre we both know that this position 
is creative more than it is anything else. And he gave great creative ideas for topics every day through his blog. He did. Go ahead. I'm I sorry. I mean, I'm just, just what he did. It's, 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 again, you know, kids come up to me and say, how can I get in the business? And I don't have much to say for kids except, you know, I mean, the one, the one thing about this era is you can start your own blog and you can start writing and you can, and if, if eventually, if you're really good, people will notice. Now, do you, do you say that to a 50 year old guy? No, no, but no, that's what he did. I know. And, and again, I didn't know that story until you shared that with me yesterday. I knew that he was late into the business. I didn't realize it was that late. That is an incredible testament yeah, to him. It really is. And again, he became a must read in this town. Yep. And it's, it's a tragedy. It, I mean, because he was so well liked. Uh, he was always the first one at, at FedEx Field, uh, you know, in the press box for games. I used to try to beat him. Sometimes I would, but most of the time he was the first one there. And you could tell he, he knew how great that job was, you know, because that was his dream. So he valued all that. And that came across. And it, it's, 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 a, it's a shame. It's really, it's, it's, it, it was a horrible, horrible news. He'll be missed uh, for sure. Uh, let's talk to Scott Van Pelt for his weekly appearance on the show. Uh, we, Tommy and I just finished talking about uh, a friend, um, a colleague uh, in the market, Rich Tandler. You were the one that actually texted me yesterday to tell me that you were seeing this on Twitter, but he passed away way, way too early, um, and he was a terrific guy. Uh, so that was a sad thing here yesterday uh, in the market. Um, all right, let's get to some sports. First of all, what what did you think last night of uh, the Betts uh, play on the Altuve hit uh, into right field? All right, as an Oriole fan, it's hard for me to, to, to ever see anything be called interference that, that isn't as egregious as Jeffrey Mayer against uh, the Orioles um, back in the day because the, the, the kid put his entire upper body on the field and stole a game. <laughs> And I don't know if I'll ever quite be over that. Um, I refer to him on the air as a truant often, which is ridiculous. <laughs> but I, because because by the time that that game was at, at, in the ninth inning, it was long after he should have been in school. But I, I just refer to him as a truant. Uh, Betts is in the stands. Um, and I don't know what those people are supposed to do. Like, they're supposed to, like, remove themselves. I don't. It, it, it's Did the guy hit the glove? I think he did, or the glove hit the fan. I thought I just thought it was a home run. That's I'll stop right there and just say I thought it was a home run because I don't know. Did, did they interfere with him? Like, at what point are they not bound from like moving out of the way of a ball that's coming directly at them? I thought they re- replied. I mean, reacted the way any human being would. So I thought it was a home run. I thought it was a home run too. And uh, look, once once he crosses over into the stands. The ball's fair mm-hmm. game for anybody. I mean, fans don't have to get out of the way, uh, and that's, that's what the way, I'm saying. Yeah, that's the way it always is. So, so they're trying to make the case that somehow he didn't cross over into that plane, or it wasn't conclusive oh, that he did. And I think it is ridiculous. You know, one thing. Hey, he's, he, uh, I was going to say. The, so, by rule, if you believe that he had gone over the wall to make that catch. 
um, then it can't be fan interference. Right. So it, it should have been a home run. With that said, because now, and I'm, I'm sure you guys will tell me that we've known this rule and the way it's described per uh, MLB Rule 3.16 before, but you know what you're what we're all saying here is that once somebody reaches into the crowd if you're if you're the home crowd and that's a visiting outfielder you should try to interfere you should try to get in the way of that player making the catch because it won't uh, it will not be called fan fan interference if it's obvious that he has gone over the wall to try to make that catch i don't perhaps fans and baseball fans know that anyway uh, the reason it wasn't overturned is because it was somewhat debatable based on the camera angles and the replays as to whether or not his glove was actually over the wall. I think it probably was, but replay wasn't conclusive. But all I'm saying is now that a fan knows that, I mean, they can get involved. They'll, they'll have an opportunity well, I, but- you know, every fifth game or whatever, every tenth game to get involved. I don't think people are that clever, and, and I, I think you're human and you react like a human being. Probably. I think all those people did was, re, was react like a human being. And by the way, I think it was definitive, and I think that that home team just got screwed out of two runs, which, as it turned out, was the margin of defeat. And and I don't think that they're going to be motivated to do it because they're going to go, hell, this guy in Houston did it, and they took two home, two runs away from him. I, 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 I don't think anyone knows for sure. I think everyone thinks of Bartman, and I think everyone always just thinks, I, I should try to get out of the way. Um, I shouldn't say I think everyone does because I also think that there's that there's that guy who sees it coming and just is like I want to get the ball for my kid. I I just think people react like human beings, which those people did last night. Yeah, I I mean I I think they do too, and it depends on where you're talking about uh, where the balls. If if the ball's in the outfield, you'll probably have more savvy fans in the outfield. If the ball that's like is along the rails, like first or third baseline. You're going to have people with money who don't know what they're doing. Right, who barely even paid <laughs> right. attention to the previous pitch. That's yeah. true. Rich dopes. Yeah, yeah. Rich, I hate <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at Nats games, I mean, you know, the, the, the people, Tommy, that at, in playoff games last year, you know, uh, against uh, against the Cubs and, and the year before against the Dodgers with a three and two count in a big spot with Strasburg or Scherzer would tell you to sit down, yeah. you know, and not get up and cheer. Seriously, that happened so at that, a playoff that, so, game. So it depends on where the ball is. If it's in the outfield, then you've got a chance of getting a fan who, who knows what's at stake uh, along the rails. You know, you got some girl who's looking up at her phone and sees a ball in her face. Right, could be a guy. Could be a guy looking at his phone too. Is way too true. much of that. But just the, yeah, as far right. as I mean, that was the but that's the first. I mean, the ninth inning of that game was 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 suffocating with the pressure and the, the oh. catch that Reddick makes is amazing. And then it's Trump by the catch that uh, Benintendi makes. Yes, if he misses that. That the, the, the Astros win the game. Clears, game, clears game, the bases. Right. Game's yeah. over if he Without misses. If that ball goes Without to the wall. Question. Yeah. Without question. God, that was such a great game. You know what? Uh, I did not – you were up for the Dodger-Brewer 13-inning um, game. I, I fell asleep during it. But, God, this time of year, I, I, I don't know – I had Wilbon on the show yesterday, and he said he thinks that playoff hockey and the sudden ending of a goal in playoff hockey is as thrilling. But I think the pitch-by-pitch tension – that there's no more tense moments than the tension sort of associated with a close game, eighth, ninth, tenth inning in the playoffs. And we've seen so much of it here over the last few nights. Yes. I'll... Yeah. The, 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 go ahead, guys. No, sorry. I'll just say, again, again, I think that tension gets diminished when you have guys coming in and pitch every two innings. 
I don't know that that cha- I, I don't think that changes the feeling at all. I think well, it actually- I'll say th- I'll say this: if you watch if you watch the Dodgers and the Brewers, and, and where I, I I agree, it, this it seemed no one no one seemed capable of scoring. Right. And then ultimately, why they why they chose to pitch in that spot to um, it was Bellinger, right? Well, why why you pitched there? Oh, game, you, I have no idea. The, the council decision to pitch to Bellinger. With Grandal on deck and then the pitcher with nobody else that could hit for the pitcher was I mean that's basic strategy, isn't? How did yeah, he pi- how did he pitch to him with first base open? He I don't know. I, I think I think everyone had been lulled in the sleep. Like no one could hit a baseball. I, I didn't, like I said I it, I didn't feel as that that was as tense as much as I just felt like I was intellectually invested and I was like if I gave up I. I would have wanted to know who won. I'm a night owl anyway, but that to me was was more boring. The Houston, the Houston Boston game at any moment, something felt like it could happen, and that's where that hockey analogy. I think hockey, like an, an overtime playoff game in hockey, is 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 impossible. The tension's impossible. Anytime the puck's in your zone, you're terrified. And also in that sport, a, a weird bounce happens, and then one, two, three, and it's over. Whereas baseball, it's at least you're preparing yourself every time your team's pitching that something bad can happen. In hockey, one weird bounce and a, and a pass in front, and the game ends. I, I think that's the most. I think that's the, the most tension you can experience in sports. Uh, you don't care as much anymore. Actually, you don't care that much at all. Um, but do you have any sense up there that this Redskin Cowboy game is a big game or not? None. None. Um, the, the the perception of the NFC East is that it, that the, is that it stinks, and you know the, the Cowboys beating Jacksonville wasn't a result that was um, that was surprising. The manner in which they did it certainly was, but I think that and this is amazing. But I'll just say, speak to the way people viewed it Sunday and Monday was more through the eyes of wow, that's odd for Jacksonville than it was for Dallas. It was like hey, this team was supposed to be real good. Jalen Ramsey likes to talk, and now he's reduced to one-word answers, and they just got smoked two in a row. Um, and now like the idea that Jacksonville as a football topic would be a bigger one than Dallas, uh, that's just the way it was for our show. Um, so, no, I have you know, no, no, no sense of it at all. Here's my question. Is it, is it going to be sold out? And if it is, is it mostly Cowboy fans? If it's sold out, it'll be mostly Cowboy fans. Well, I don't think it'll be sold out. It's not going to be mostly. It, it'll... No, if, if if it's sold out, it will be because of mostly no, Cowboy fans. I don't, I don't fans. know that that's necessarily true either. Well, I, you I... say if it's more than 50 to 50, if I... there's, there's 75,000 people in those stands, how many do you think are well, Cowboy let me fans? Just say, let me just say this, that if the Redskins had lost to Carolina, it would be 70-30 how many people were in the crowd, Cowboys to okay. Redskins fans. And what I'm saying now is with the Redskins coming off that win, and I think we all agree here in town that there is some juice to this right now. Yes, there it's is. Unexpected, because the Redskins won a big game, the Cowboys all of a sudden look good. Scott, this is the first time they've both, you know, that they've played each other without one of them having a losing record in you know it's like only the third time that's happened in seven years so I mean that's that's how you know far this rivalry and the importance of this game has fallen okay, but 55 45 which I, way uh Redskins to Cowboys fans if, if okay. you tell me that it's 55 45 it'll be Redskins to Cowboys okay. I, I think it will be um to answer your question I don't know if it'll be a sellout it's their best chance to sell out a game and it may be the best chance of the entire season to sell out a game because it is the Cowboys uh, in town, um, but they've got That's a couple amazing. of they got a couple of games late in the year. Like they have a season ender against Philadelphia. You have no idea what that could mean now. Um, but I, yeah, it is amazing. It's amazing to say that 
uh, when I said it earlier this week, I said it to Aaron, I'm like, maybe this is their first sellout of the year. And I thought, wow, that's a conversation or a comment that's never been made, even though we've known for several years they right. haven't really been sold out. Right. Um, who do you but like? Just the, the fact that the just the fact that it would take a Cowboy game and it would take an influx of their their fans to help get you to the number. I mean, that's just and look, that's been going on for a long time too. Whether it was like that Steelers Monday Night game right. years ago, where they just came in and took over, or whatever, but. For it to be the Cowboys, um, I don't know, man. As a kid that you know that grew up there and and continues to watch from afar, it's just it's it's remarkable uh, where what they aren't anymore. What they aren't is something that that resonates in that market. That's incredible, incredible. Yeah, you know the other thing too, and I I don't think this gets talked about around here enough when we have these conversations about the Redskins is that there are a lot of other teams whose parks are invaded by opposing fans yes, they are. around the league. That's hap- That's been more of a recent phenomenon where it's actually more fun sometimes for a fan base to go to a road game than a home, home game. Yeah, listen, if it's an NFL problem, every NFL problem add 50% when it comes to the Redskins. Yeah, but well, well, let me but let me make let me make a point though about the, about the cow, about the Cowboys. It happens to the Cowboys in their stadium all the time. Too. Yes, it does with it, it with does, the Redskins but, but, there. Again, right, but sure, sure, but just again, you you know what I'm saying. This I, I know Cowboys. what you're saying, just, of course. RFK now, granted, RFK was fifty two thousand or whatever, so you just it wouldn't have happened. But I mean, you took your life in your hands if you came into that joint and really wanted to let people know you're a Cowboy fan yes, back did. in the day. And I'm talking about way back in the day. So just the idea now that that's what it is, again, it's, it's, it's a departure. Anybody that's under the age of 40, you know, doesn't even really know what I'm talking about. So that's, you know, again, this is where as the civil, old, I'm the old guy. As civil as, um, you know, sort of the Redskin fan base is compared to the Philadelphia fan base as an example in the division, what you just said is true. You know, you go back to games, 70s, 80s, I'll throw in early 90s. If you were a Cowboy fan, you did not. You did. You were t- you were taking a big risk at RFK Stadium, rooting for the Cowboys. Maybe not at the same level of walking into the vet with Cowboy, uh, you know, right. with a Cowboy jersey or a Redskins jersey on. But RFK was, as you like to say, the snake pit of all snake pits. It was. It really it was. It was so good. It was. It was the best. Um, who do you like this really weekend? Was. Who do you like this weekend? I, you, you'll have winners out tonight. What What have you identified yep. so far? Um. Well, LSU looked awesome last week. They right. beat the crap out of the number two team in the country, and now they're giving less than a touchdown at home to Mississippi State. That seems odd to me. I'll probably be on the cowbells from Starkville in that one. Um, there's a as you know, you've you've. I mean, I'm not going to give out eight team games. That seemed rather aggressive. <laughs> it was um, aggressive last week. I was eleven and seven though. Hey, listen, I went six and three, giving out nine. I'm sure I'll get to nine. The question is, will I stop there? And it's, I'm, honestly, I'm a little bit frightened because my main man, Stanford Steve, who I know you had on last week and who is as hot as anyone in the country giving out games. He, no, he, I, he's like my, sec- he's my security blanket. Like when I gave out picks, I just enjoy having him around to kind of give me like, you know, he'll heckle me or he'll kind of, you know, goad me on. Like if I don't want to pick a game, we're like, come on. And he's on the road for us this week. So I don't have Steve there. So where I'm, is I, he? Mentally, I'm a, well, he's out West. He's, he's, there's an Arizona State Stanford game tonight. 
he's there. He's going to Pullman tomorrow to be on our show live because game day is in Washington State for the first time ever, and the people there have lost their mind. So he's going to be live with us from that. And then I think he's going to the Laker game Saturday because we're on after the Laker game. So he's just out west racking up uh, frequent flyer miles, hotel points, and per diem. Stanford Steve, and this is documented, is 25-8-1, I think, on the season. That is ridiculous. Like that. Yeah, it. What? But you know it's coming. You know it's coming, Kevin. <laughs> I know uh, it's re- coming. Regression to the regression don't to the say, mean. You know? Don't say the, the regression yeah. to the mean thing, please. Yeah, God, you, I mean, thing. all the people that want to sound smart. Um, but he's hitting at basically 76%, which if anybody said to us without documentation, yeah, I'm hitting at 76%, we'd, we'd both roll our eyes and say, yeah, right. He actually is yep. hitting at 76%. Um, well, that's because he gives them out on a podcast, so it's not like you could you can't very well lie about them. There's a there's a record each week of what he's given. Yeah, you, you mean you mean people actually do that to you? They actually tweet you or or, or reach out to you to say yeah yeah, but but I'm seventy percent. Yeah, really, where are your picks? And they they're they're great at telling you who they had after the after the weekend's over. Um, they're great at telling us what we do doesn't work. You know, whatever it's it's been it's, it's been. Gambling sewer, gambling Twitter is the, is the, there are many sewers. Gambling Twitter is the sewer of all sewers. <laughs> it's you are so right, and not enough people are participating. But it'll grow here over the next few years. Uh, Indeed. And explain to me how Temple um, is playing an undefeated team in Cincinnati, and Temple's laying three. This weekend, that's the well, one that that was the first one that jumped off the page at me. I'm like, wait a minute, Cincinnati's undefeated, and Temple is favored in this game. Yep, that's that sure is an odd one. That yeah. sure is an odd one. You know, I haven't given a favorite all year, but that uh, that that streak will end tonight. Well, you may want to check their offensive DVOA before you do that because that's really really yeah. important uh, in figuring out yeah. who to pick in these games. I haven't I haven't modeled that part of it yet. Yeah, so I don't know. <laughs> I tell you, you know what? Pr- predictive modeling to beat the market, man, in sports betting. Have at yeah. it uh, because you and I would fight each other to take that action. Um, all right, yeah. thanks. Enjoy it. I'll talk to you later. Thank you, Scott. All right, boys. Be well. Take care. Uh, the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast, especially when Tommy's around, uh, should be rated. Uh, it should be rated by you if you haven't rated the podcast on iTunes or any other place that you listen to it. Rate it for us. Write a review. It really helps the ranking, which helps the show. Um, we appreciate all of you that have been listening to it. And again, I mentioned this um, a couple of times a week. But if you know people that just don't do podcasts or they they're, they don't know how to do it, just tell them to go to thekevinsheehanshow.com. And there's a big play button right there, and anybody of any age can do it. Uh, since you're not going to be here tomorrow to give me your Redskins-Cowboys pick, who do you like Sunday? I like Dallas, 24 to 19. Why? Well, because I don't think the Redskins can score. I think they, they, they're offensively limited. Dallas uh, is offensively limited. I, well, you know what? I think that they've got it. They, if, if, if they use Dak like they used them against Jacksonville, if they run Dak more, the Redskins are going to have a problem with that. I mean, if Dak is mobile, running the ball, you know, doing, doing the boots and stuff like that, they're going to have a problem. Uh, stop stopping Dallas then. So I, I like the Cowboys 24-19. I just I I think that uh, you know when Jay Gruden comes out and says he'd like you know, his quarterback to get rid of the ball quicker, 
you got to figure that's the sanitized version for how frustrated he really is. I am hearing that he's frustrated. But at the same time, this is something I don't think I said to you on Tuesday. I don't even know if I've said it on the podcast, but I had this thought with Cooley the other day when I was doing his podcast. I am starting to think, Tommy, that Jay Gruden, because he played the position, because he does believe in what he's doing, that he may be one of these guys that will never ever be totally pleased with the quarterback play that it'll always not be it'll never be enough you know there was always something there that wasn't enough with the last guy he bailed on Kirk uh, on I'm sorry he bailed on RG3 so quickly because he realized he had no chance with him and I think Alex Smith even this veteran with all of this experience and he's a good quarterback I think Jay you know you know, the grass always looks greener on the other side, and I think he thought it was going to be greener, but I think for him it it would take Aaron Rodgers to not be frustrated with quarterback that's a, play. That's a reasonable possibility. I think that's his I think that's his his mindset. Let's, I don't let's not get nuts either. He played arena football quarterback. I know, but he played quarterback. Okay. And he knows the position. And I don't think anybody can be perfect enough for him. That's my guess. Uh, you know what? I know what he feels like doing this podcast. Yeah, I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. I do not have a smell test pick for tonight. Um, there's no side really in the Denver Arizona game. Uh, what a terrible Thursday night game it is. Uh, you know, Arkansas State looks right a little bit laying a big number tonight at home against Georgia State, but I'm not. I'm not playing it personally. So, and it's definitely not a smell test pick. Um, but there are going to be eight to ten selections tomorrow. I don't think eighteen this week. But 8 to 10 tomorrow. Also tomorrow on the show, Mike Shanahan's going to join the show. Talked to him the other day. He's excited to come on. He, he wants to look at what the Redskins are doing well, what they're not doing well, and sort of size up Dallas as well. Uh, so he's been watching some of that film. He'll join us tomorrow. John Kime will be with us. Andy will be with us. Big football Friday. Tom will be back on Tuesday. Thanks to Aaron, who's doing a phenomenal job on running this show because it's not easy, Um, but he's doing a great job, and thanks to all of you. Have a a wonderful rest of your Thursday. Go play Powerball or Mega Millions. You know what? Everybody's playing Mega Millions. Let's go play Powerball. Maybe our chances will be better. (laughs) I like my chances of getting some Redskins gear from Chris Cooley before today's out. Okay, enough of that. (laughs) Uh, Have a great day, everybody.